It's the When Fishing Podcast. Applying techniques. Then I put the sea rigs on the A rig. fresh ideas. They can't all be good ones. Talking stories. <laughs> reports. About, about not that observation. Probably too close. All to make you and I better fishermen. Hello. We begin our segment with some post-Hurricane Hillary, post, what was that, tropical depression by the time it got to us, something like that. Well, we'll start there. I went out 48 hours after after that shit um, over to the horseshoe at a Long Beach. Brown water. Thank you, L.A. River, for all your diarrhea. Um, sub one foot of visibility. Yeah, it was disgusting. Kind of a short period. Hot morning. No wind. Um, that was, uh, uh, did I mention 48 hours after, after like the worst of it? So, uh, definitely still brown, but like the, the sea had, uh, had calmed down just enough to get out. Um, harbor was still full of trash. And uh, just wanted to see what the, how quickly the ocean recovers from a thing like that. It was hardly a, uh, even a tropical storm by the time we got here. I know last year, we had one. A tropical storm. I forget what it was called. I feel like it started with an I. And I definitely remember that one pushing like 30, 40 mile an hour winds around. Um, some some hard warm rain. It was kind of interesting. Might have been some damage. Uh, this one was not a tropical storm, even though uh, I don't. I really don't understand what the um, how the, what the news take on that was. Where it's like, like I, I don't want. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go around saying like fake news. But uh, it was, you know, like um, they said that like this was the first tropical storm in like decades, and it's like no, we had one. 11 months ago. I'm not sure what what you're on. Anyways. So, you know. But, you know what? Uh, it was actually... Did you know? It turned into like a Cat 4 down in uh, off Mexico before, before it hit. I think it dropped down to like a 2 or something by the time it hit. And it did cause some damage down in Baja. Thoughts and prayers. But um, it was... Uh, uh, you know, it wasn't much by the time it hit the States. Which is uh, fortunate, I suppose. And, uh, so, um, the horseshoe still looked like shit, is what it is, um, and, uh, so I marked some, uh, the, the water temp had dropped from, it was, like, hovering around 70 for, uh, uh, for a lot of August, late July, I believe, and then, uh, it dropped down to 61 after the storm, uh, call it upwelling, call it what you like, and, uh, uh, there were still fish there on the horseshoe. There were, uh, bass marks and there were some critter marks. Uh, whatever they were, they did not want to bite. Um, dropped down various offerings and got some pecks. So I think the critters were around, but yeah, the, the, uh, bass were, seemed to be on lockjaw. Probably should have got at them, um, you know, the day before or whatever, or day before the storm with the drop in pressure and stuff like that. That's the way to go. So, uh, 
that that was pretty much uh the horseshoe looked like shit uh with the low water visibility and short period and no fish and all that shit so i started heading in calling it a wash uh i get out front of huntington beach and all of a sudden the water clears up the swell turns to nothing and it's like what is this like this is, this is an entirely different world i just went through like a fucking portal or something and like the water went from like one foot visibility to 20 foot visibility and the uh, swell went from like three feet at five seconds to like two feet at 14 or something and it's like the that that short period was heading east i don't understand where it's just like they just hit a wall i don't know so i like the portal i went through regardless i'm not i i don't i shouldn't question it because uh i ended up having a nice time uh nice nice second half of the day found some fish tested out the uh k-man special swim baits i got an order from them uh from him uh that's uh if you're on bloody decks you can check out uh, uh you'll you'll see that a uh, man uh with the uh, handle k-man uh pours his own swim baits they're like a clearer and red flake four inch some of them five inch uh swim baits uh uh durable plastic um yeah, I, I I got an order of them. I tested them out. They caught fish. Um, my my style of of bass fishing is kind of dried up. I was I was having like double digit days on the regular through uh, winter and spring, and then recently uh, my my own like stupid trolling shit uh, dried up. So I wanted to try the swim baits, his swim baits, and uh, uh, I got a few uh, scratched together a day. And, uh, yeah, I was happy about that. That was good. That was good times. We we will look fondly back on this day. So, um, yeah. So, you know, uh, I'm sure that the water's cleared up quite a bit over at Isers and things, uh, since then. Probably warmed up. I, I believe it. I believe, actually, I can look at that right now for you on, uh, Terra Firma, or Terra Fin, sorry. Um, what? is what's going on in the Los Angeles area. Uh, Los Angeles area. Oh, there's clouds. Clouds. Uh, yeah. It's in that, like, 65-degree range. Um, it topped out at 65 that day. It went from 61, and it slowly built back up to 66 as I went south and stuff. Uh, so... Uh, it seems like the temperatures are rebuilding. Everything's rebuilding since that uh, hurricane, uh, quote unquote. And uh, uh, yeah, so then that brings us to the next report. Uh, I was uh, content with sitting on my ass for uh, for a couple weeks, and uh, uh, you know I wasn't I wasn't hearing that much in the way of pelagic stuff, and then. Uh, um, then there was a a rash of coastal bluefin, and you you gotta get on that. You only get a couple of those, and uh, so it started out in um who knows where it started, but you know uh it caught it caught the wind in uh oceanside, and so it was uh it was sort of low key for a week or or so as as it tends to be. They they keep their mouth shut down there pretty good. Good on you, mates. And then uh, somebody flew over with a plane and posted some aerial footage of some foamers. And that got everybody excited. And I was like, well, I guess I need to go. 
and then um, got some other footage and uh, thought, yes, I believe I have to go. And so I did. Um, I was very confident this time around. There's, there's most of my bluefin days, bluefin trips, I come into it. Maybe I'm giddy, maybe I'm not. Um, but I always feel like the, the odds are stacked against me. But uh, this time I just kind of felt like I'm going to get one today. And uh, so I headed out there. Uh, it's a, like an hour drive from me or something, a little bit more than that. And uh, got down there and launched, got out of the harbor around 8 a.m. Uh, the water is like fucking, the watercolor down there right now is fucked up. Um, it's like brown right on the beach. And then you get out a little further out and you don't really hit blue, even in like a thousand, excuse me, a thousand feet of water or so. It's not blue. It's like green. It's a clear, clearish green, but it's green. It's like green and less green, you know, green, 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 green. And so, uh, got out a few miles. They said, don't overshoot it. So I'm trying not to, um, started looking around for the foamers. It was a little bit early. I think it was still like two hours before high tide, but you know, foamers should be, they normally appear in that zone in that realm. But of course they appear at other times too, because, um, there's the only pattern is there is no pattern. So, uh, looked around for a little bit. I brought a kite rig. I brought a high speed troller slash, uh, you know, speed jigging thing. And, uh, uh, and I brought a, a 60 pound casting setup and, uh, most people the day before were doing well with, uh, casting poppers and irons into foamers. And so I was looking around for the foamers cause that's exciting and I couldn't find them. And, uh, as, uh, very quickly into the morning, like by eight thirty, uh, there was a fog rolling in from the offshore. And so, uh, you know, I didn't, I was hoping, I'm sure we were all hoping that was, it would stay offshore, but it was just creeping up and I started to get caught in it and I'm like, all right, let's go a little bit South. And then I started, uh, started going South towards, uh, Carlsbad Canyon next thing I know I'm just in I'm in fog but like the sun is shining through the top so it's not like um I'm not in a total abyss and I got about 300 yards of visibility uh so I I didn't want to put out the kite this would have been the first time putting out the kite on water and I didn't want to do it in fog and like with the chance that somebody could come out of the fog not seeing me and uh drive under the kite and just tear everything up I didn't want that to happen so I was I was trolling a Yozuri high-speed vibe. Doesn't seem to be too popular right now, um, but I like. I'm kind of like fixated on the smaller sizes. Not that I know jack shit. Um, I haven't. I hadn't caught anything on uh, this high-speed trollers um, before. So I was uh, rolling around. There was some grass in the water. There was some shio waters in the water rafting uh, here and there. So. Uh, but I, I was having a lot of trouble finding turns and or foamers and bait. Um, where's all this shit? So I was looking around. I was looking for that shit. And uh, uh, very hard to spot foamers with 300 yards of visibility. Uh, so, you know, just covering a lot of water with the, uh, with the high-speed trolling. Uh, go south, and then went back northwest. Got out of the fog. Um, water was still like, there was a lot of color breaks. Uh, it seemed like every, uh, just every few minutes there was another color break. So, uh, 
I saw that as a potentially good thing where it's like, okay, well, these, these fish can be hanging out right on these. This is their, uh, this is their structure, uh, potentially. So if I'm going in and out of those, like naturally, then that's great. So I'm going through there, but, uh, pop out of the fog, finally have like a bunch of miles of visibility. I can see up the coast. I'm not but I'm not seeing any foamers. I'm not seeing any boats on foamers. I am seeing a couple boats now. And then uh, uh, pull out my banana out of my snack pack, start eating the banana. Um, if I really want to, like, like shuffle my karma, I bring a banana on board. And uh, <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I eat the banana, and then I throw, I throw the peel into the water. And, like, like two minutes goes by. And then my, my troller is singing, and I'm like, no way. No way. Get real. Um, and uh, Tip is dancing. It's not kelp. And uh, uh, and I'm really stoked, actually, that my, my PVC, I have like a, my whole seat frame is PVC um, on my inflatable. And so... I have like an offshoot of two rod holders. One's like 45 degrees facing backwards. And then the other one's 90 degrees facing like out off my starboard. And so I have the high speed troller going off the 45 degrees heading almost straight back so that like it doesn't get torqued. And they're also both um, like have screws to, uh, uh, you know, reinforce them. So uh, it held up great. And I was stoked because I, I just let it like, I just kept going full speed. <laughs> it's like, I don't believe this. And, uh, I went like a hundred yards before I like, I stopped, um, and started reeling on it. And so like, I, I'm still idling forward. It's still behind me, but like the fish feels like it's coming at me. It's either coming at me or I'm just using 80 pound gear. And this is like a dink Dorado or something like that, but it's coming at me. So I'm like reeling tight. It's like, a, it was, the lure was like 120, 150 yards back. I have, um, what do you call it? Uh, I have a multicolored line. Uh, I use Gevacont. I'm not sponsored by them, but I should be. They use my review on a, on Amazon. They like quote me so fucking much. <laughs> like they, <laughs> it's like their their whole like product description is literally like my quote uh, from my review. So, um, but I but I like them a lot. I it's pretty much on all my reels. Um, anyways. Um, so it's like it's marked every i want to say like 10 meters 12 yards something like that um i think it's 12 yards and uh so yeah i think it's like 100 it was 120 150 yards back and uh came came to the boat pretty quick and once it finally got under the boat then it's like okay then i felt the weight of it and it's like okay this is like a real fish um let's not fuck this up i didn't have too much drag on it for what I thought it could be. Um, didn't go on, on any spectacular runs, but I probably had about like somewhere around six to eight pounds of drag on an Avid 30 narrow. And um, uh, like the first flash I see of it, I see it's just like body is like bent over and it's just like a quick flash. And I was like, oh fuck, I got a Mako, this sucks. It's a, that would be a new species for me, but um, I don't want to fuck with a Mako and an inflatable for obvious reasons. But, um, you know, if, if it's stuck on the line, then I have to, uh, kill or be killed. So, um, then I, 
so I'm like, oh, fuck, you know, like, and then like a minute goes by and then it comes by again and I see it very clearly. It's a tuna and it's a good sized tuna. I'm like, okay, thank God. And then, um, then I get it into its death circles pretty quick and I'm like, cool. Like, and it's bleeding a little bit out of its gills. Um, so, uh, I hooked it, I hooked it, I ended up hooking it in like top of the mouth, but it inhaled that thing. There's, I, uh, (laughs) I'll get to that, but, um, yeah, it, uh, uh, and I was able to gaff it on like the second or third pass. Um, didn't put up too much of a fight on the gaff. It did a couple of those spirals, but not nothing crazy. Started stabbed it in like the heart zone and uh, started bleeding it out. Pulled it into the boat. Success, great success. And uh, baby's first bluefin on board. So uh, I've been adamant for a few years now since I got my boat I was like you know what I'm not gonna go this is yeah I'm not gonna go um on a 1.5 day boat spend like $900 and potentially not catch a bluefin I'm gonna go do this on my own boat when I get the shots uh coastally and it's taken that might have might have been like at least 20 tries um for bluefin on my boat um and that was uh finally landed it so uh very satisfying and uh it was a decent size one you'll see it uh in the in the in pictures on social media you can see it on i wrote the report on bloody decks it was very similar to what i just said so pardon the repetition but um uh yeah that was uh that was good i feel good about that one and then uh i filleted it on board, uh, I learned my lesson from uh, bringing the thresher shark home and throwing it on the kitchen table. Uh, I don't want to make that mess again. So I uh, pulled the loins off, and uh, they all fit into a 16 by 40 kill bag. Uh, I already had a couple like 12 by 12 ice packs in there, and I threw some seawater in there. It uh, felt plenty cold by the time I got back into the harbor, and I threw an extra like 7 pounds of ice into it for the ride home and uh vacuum packed it all up and uh i got i got enough tuna for at least six months probably a year um yeah so that's great uh means i can uh i can focus on um catching and releasing bluefin tuna which i imagine might be harder you know like doing dentistry like solo on a on a cow tuna sounds uh quite the challenge but i'm up for it so that was uh that was that trip and then um do i have any other details i want to make sure i'm like covering all the details uh like i I want i want my i want to tell my story but i also want to make sure that like i'm being informative here um people have continued to uh uh get them on like in the afternoons uh people were finding the foamers so that that was the deal that's what it seems to be a lot. I'm just uh, paranoid of uh, afternoon winds and like just I don't want to drive all that way down and uh, and just get caught up in like afternoon winds and it be unfishable. So I try to fish mornings anyways. So um, yeah, uh, people have been uh, catching them on irons and and foamers and uh, and then it seems like it's dried up the last couple of days. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, somebody said. Um, uh, somebody reported the DFW surveyor told them that they counted like 30 boats that had targeted tuna and not caught any. 
and that was i believe yesterday um so it's drying up they're still there i uh i know chris is out there um well not right now uh but uh uh he's he's gotten quite a few shots at him he went like <laughs> i'll get him on soon but uh uh he went like one for ten this week or something it's nuts uh good on him for for hooking all those but you know leave the rubber hooks at home chris ha 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 anyways uh that's about it for that for my uh little segment on a uh, the thing you know philosophizing not talking to reports, not talking game plans, philosophizing. Falafel, falafel, sizing. Um, uh, I wanna, I wanna do catch and release bluefin. I've kind of, I've kind of run through this once or twice before, and I, I really like the idea of it because it's like, uh, I suppose it's possible that you know, in big game fishing, it seems like marlin are a very common catch and release thing. Um, I suppose their reproductive um, expediency, I don't know, como se dice, um, may not be as uh, prolific as uh, as tuna. Tuna do seem to proliferate quite well. It seems like we have a we may have a surplus out here at this point, um, which is good. But um, I do want to catch and release them at this point. If I do catch any more this year, and I do want to catch more this year. My freezer's full. I got a I got a whole ass thresher in there. I got a whole ass tuna in there. I'm good. So, um, it uh, uh, the next thing is to try and get really good at it and still like be releasing them and also re- releasing them like uh with uh, minimal harm done, good good mortality rate. Um, so what I want to do is I want to, uh, you know, uh, switch over to single hooks, switch over to circles when I can, and um, see where that goes. So um, right now on my Yummy Flyers, I set them up with uh, 9-aught 7691s. And 7691s, uh, their hook point or like the side of the shaft with the hook point is not parallel with the shaft with the main shaft it's like it points a little bit inward towards the eye not all, not all the way like a circle hook but um it's theorized that that way they won't hook the very first thing that that the point touches so you're a little bit more likely to get a an unhookable hook um or well, I can say that a lot better. Um, I can I can unhook the fish, uh, get a lip hook or whatever. So that's what I'm hoping for, and I'm hoping for a lot bigger fish. I really want to. Uh, I I think it's possible to get a cow doing what I'm doing, and I'm I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go do that. So I'm gonna uh, try and fish the cat channel, and like the 14 and stuff like that, and just like run a lot of miles with the kite. Because what was happening before uh, the hurricane and uh, it kind of died off before the the, before Hillary, 
there was a lot of tuna, like wolf packs, in the Catalina Channel. And uh, what I'm thinking is that basically what I see over the past few years is that whenever the water temp gets like transitions through about 67 degrees, I want to say, the bluefin will make a coastal run. Uh, Particularly, it's a lot more likely when it's going up versus down, but uh, it it does seem to happen when it goes down too. So um, like June, July, it was transitioning up uh, through, uh, through 67 and, uh, the fish did a very similar thing where they showed up on Oceanside and then they popped up in, uh, you know, Dana Point, Newport for a second. And then they, there were wolf packs in the cat channel. And, uh, I think that's pretty much going to happen again. It'll get a refresh. And then I think they're going to dissipate and then, you know, settle back on the outside banks as they just were like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. They, they pretty much all settled on the outside outer banks. And uh, so I think I've, I might have like a couple weeks or a month to really uh, uh, hit the channel and see if I can get uh, some wolf pack fish on kite. Uh, and I was also thinking that if the 7691 doesn't work as like a high likelihood for like getting like lip hooks or easy... Uh, easy unhook fish. I was thinking of uh, putting a quick rig Charlie Brown hook on the back of a flyer instead. Um, I've never heard of somebody putting a circle hook on a yummy flyer. Uh, people say don't put circle hooks on lures. Um, I kind of get it, but at the same time, I think fish... I don't know. I think, you know... How do, how do, I think people think that fish like attack a live bait versus a dead, a live bait versus an artificial differently. It's like, well, they're just opening their mouths regardless. They're just going and opening their mouths and then they turn on it. They, they eat the thing and then they turn a, the other direction. Um, I, uh, I had an early episode. I said that, uh, what did I say? Bluefin or left-handed or some bullshit. I got to check, I got to recheck on that. But, um, you know, fish, fish will also turn a certain way. So it's like you could potentially, that's not my point right now. Uh, my point right now is that, uh, what I'm thinking is that when a fish hits a kite bait on the East coast, they use live bait. They use a bridled live bait for sailfish on a kite. Um, so what I'm thinking is that if it's on top, like the fish is coming up from the bottom, they only have like a second to fucking bless me. Um, the fish only have like, you know, one angle when they're hitting a kite, uh, a kite, a kite bait. So whether you're using a live bait or an artificial bait, I think it's the same shit. They're, they're trying to just like grab it all in one go and then turn. So I think with sailfish, that's going to happen. And that that's why they use, I think they use like sort of light wire circle hooks with sailfish. And I think with, um, um, with tuna, I think you could use circle hooks on a, on a yummy flyer. I'm going to prove it. I'm going to show you, I'll show you, I'll show you. So we'll see. Um, I think, uh, it would be really interesting 
Um, I guess the general consensus is that uh, you'd be happy to just catch two fish and then bring them home, but uh, I just have this, like I said, freezer's full. What do you do once the freezer's full? Are you just done tuna fishing for the year? I don't know. It doesn't seem like a lot of people are. Uh, I would love to hear uh, what what people do who, like, there, there are a handful of people who just seem to be bringing home, like, like 100-plus pound fish, like, every month. And I want to know if, if you guys can, like, email or, like, DM me or whatever. I really want to know, like, what your procedure is to be having, like, all that fish come through. Because it's like, okay, you got your neighbors, but then what, what, what happens when your neighbors' freezers fill up? And, like, how many freezers do you have at home? And, like, like I have, like, a... I think I have like a 24 by 28 chest freezer or something and that thing's full. So it's like, um, you know, at some point you're catching and releasing. That's kind of how I feel. Or you're, or you stop tuna fishing and I don't really want to stop, um, just cause I got one. So yeah. So catch and release. And then the other thing is, uh, once you, as, as a solo I'm I'm on my own out there. I'm one person on a small boat. So I'm trying to figure out... I've been playing this, like, image back in my head over and over uh, of, like, how am I going to... Say, like, I bring up, like, a 200-pound tuna up to the up to the boat. Like, if I'm, in, if I'm in neutral, then that fish is doing death spirals under me, and I can't really control that fish like that. And if I gaff it, it's going to go nuts. It's probably... I, I won't say that it'll break the gaff, but it'll probably, like, it could easily pull it out of my hand. Um, and then I have a rabid fish, and then, like, my rod may not be in my hands anymore because I went to grab the gaff and the leader. So, um, and I don't want to, I, I eventually want to invest in a harpoon. That's a thing. Uh, but that's going to be, you know, keeping fish. So, uh, what I'm thinking is that I'm going to have to keep idling forward, uh, have that fish like under the boat and just slowly ease it up. And then I don't know. I think once I get the head out of the water though, it's going to go ballistic and, uh, trying to get like, I would have to like get a whole, a good hold of the leader and then unhook. And that that's, I don't know, man, those bluefin have like, <laughs> they have good teeth. They got enormous mouths. Um, yeah, I mean that like, like the fish that I caught was like, I want to call it seventy eighty pounds. So I'm calling it seventy eighty pounds. Um, the, uh, the conversion chart will say otherwise, but I think it was seventy eighty pounds. And the, the lure was like six inches. The uh, Yozuri high speed vibe. It's like six inches, and it looked like a like, a fucking, nothing. It looked like a tic tac in in that fish's mouth, and. Uh, I'm surprised by that. Um, so, uh, so how big is a 200 pounder's mouth going to be? You could fit your head in there, and then like, how big is a thousand pounder's mouth going to be? You could probably eat a child. But um, you know, I think it's just a matter of being careful. Uh, I really don't want to cut the leader. I don't like the I, I I I'd rather attempt hardcore dentistry on the side of the boat than um. Uh, than be like cutting hardware and leaving hardware in, in the fish. I know that uh, like Marlin 
tournaments and marlin fishermen do that a lot and they uh they they call it a you know sportsman's release or like whatever they do but uh i don't i'm not really a fan of that i have conflicting thoughts over that maybe i'm i'm sure i could be uh uh I'm sure I could see the reasoning in it. If everybody's doing it and somebody wants to explain it to me, uh, I'm sure it's reasonable in, in some light or another, but it's not something that I would prefer to do. Uh, one, because uh, hooks aren't cheap. Two, uh, I don't like that. I don't like leaving them with piercings if I don't have to. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I'll give it a try this week. Which brings us to our game plan. <laughs> What are we doing for Labor Day weekend? I'm staying in. I'm working. I'm going to do Grubhub all weekend, and I'm going to make a lot of money. That's what I hope, because I just got a $2,800 car bill, and I have no money to pay for it. So I have that snap, that hashtag snap financing loan. Shout out, 100-day loan to pay off 2800 bucks. That's a lot. It's 900 bucks a month. I don't have that. So we'll see what happens. What's going to happen is I'm going to work through Labor Day weekend. Makes a lot of sense. Then after Labor Day weekend, I'm thinking the second half of the week, um, it's it looks kind of windy through Labor Day weekend. Uh, I'm sure some people won't mind it. It's not going to stop most people. I'm sure there's going to be a shitload of people launching. So if you don't like crowds, remember, it's Labor Day weekend, and there were tuna all week. So I think people are going to be pretty hyped. They're going to be uh, out there looking. And uh, good luck to you if you go out there looking. It seems like the biomass is probably still going to be there. Um, whether there are uh, they're foaming, I uh, the consensus seems to be that uh, uh, the moon phase is kind of phasing them out, and they probably won't be foaming. Uh, they may be on the move. What tends to happen is that uh, what I've seen the like three out of the last three times that they kind of start to blow up around Newport Canyon to Long Beach, they start in Oceanside. And then they show up, like, you you get word of them, and then as soon as you get word of them, it's like the fish know that you got word of them, and they start traveling north. And so people catch them in Newport, Long Beach, so on and so forth. And so I think what happens from there is pretty much every time, they're pretty much gone from that more northerly part of that geographical regions aforementioned. And uh, uh, I think they just they book it, and they go either uh, north or at least counterclockwise uh, around the area and end up uh, settling on some banks. So by the time you hear this, uh, by the time it's the weekend, uh, the, I, it might be that a lot of those fish have gone uh, or they're at least being low-key. So, um, you know, that's uh, that's been the nature of the game. We'll see what happens. Good luck if you go. Uh, what I'm going to do is I am, I'm going to go look for them in the second half of the week. Um, and the, the tides are looking good for the weekend. So, uh, that's another thing going for you. It might be better inshore, might be a good inshore, uh, kind of weekend. Um, I'm going to go look offshore. I'm going to drag the kite around the cat channel second half of the week. We'll see what, what days actually pan out because, uh, the wind looks better, uh, like, Wednesday through Saturday, Tuesday through Saturday, but it'll probably shift around a little bit and I'll, I'll pick a day or two. 
see what happens. But I just want to cover a lot of water and uh, dial in my, my kite rig and uh, see if I can get another one and see if I can release it and, uh, uh, you know, start on that journey. I want to I wanna do that. So other than that, um, also, if if it calms down a little bit, if these, these morning winds, it's like I really want some glassy mornings. Um, it's been a minute since I've seen that. And, uh, uh, when I can, when, whenever I can get that, I'd really like to go back to the 14 mile and do some more rock fishing. I ran out of rock fish. I know I was just talking about how my freezer is full, but I could afford just a couple fillets. It's fine. And, uh, try and get a new species or whatever. So, uh, yeah, that would be nice. And like drag the kite on the way over there and then catch some rockfish and drag the kite back and hopefully find some bluefin um maybe find some yellowfin you know i just read that um this was in the last what was it 2011 2017 or something um the california state record yellowfin is like 267 pounds that's enormous and so and it was caught just south of the 209 this was either I, I should really have this in front of me, but uh, uh, yeah, it was like hella local, and like they were just what were they dragging? They were they were trolling they were trolling on the way out. It was a commercial fisherman. They were going like way out, but they were always but they were, they were just dragging a, a troller just for the fuck of it. Then they got bit, and uh, and what do you know? Is a two hundred and sixty pound yellowfin tuna, and like you don't really see that north of like fucking Mag Bay. As far as I know, I don't know. What do I know? Um, but to get one of those in state waters is absurd. Like, you don't even see, like, 100-pound yellowfin in state waters. So that would be really fucking cool to get. And that would also hit a kite. But I don't, I'm not saying that I expect that. Um, but I did notice that there are some, uh, um, yeah, as far as game plans go, uh, party boats are getting into... Uh, Yellowfin and mahi even more around the border. Like um, I see a couple boats right now around the 302, 371, um, and they're uh, uh, they're getting some mahi. I think they were getting a smattering of yellowfin. Um, so those kinds of warmer water pelagics are kind of showing up. I've heard some reports of some yellowtail under patties uh, in similar areas as well. Um, so hopefully, um, you know, the water stays warm and warms up again. Um, and you know, here we are, this is September 1st. So, uh, we've got a couple months here of, uh, hopefully the water warming up and us finding some, uh, some cool shit. So stay, stay tuned. And, uh, whatever you do out there this week, um, uh, you know, uh, good luck. Stay safe. Yeah, have a good one.